Today we're going to talk about everything you need to know to design RPG classes. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Uh, welcome to the fourth episode. Today, we're going to talk about RPG class design. It's your host, Zachavelli. Um, but the first thing I want to do is get into the idea jam from last week. And I think this was kind of a harder idea jam because uh, I didn't get very many submissions. So I'm going to go with my own submission. If you remember, the topic was... Um, design a game that a blind person could play. So this is pretty challenging. If you remember last week, it was about uh, the episode was about art design and how to make art if you can't draw. And one of the points I made was um, you can make a good game with no art. And this is kind of the extreme example of that. So I decided to go really far out there with it with my blind game idea. And this actually stems, my idea does, from a YouTube video. Um, sometimes you see them, they're called like 8D music, or um, the one I'm thinking of is where you put on a pair of headphones, and uh, this video, or the sound of the video rather, simulates a haircut with like a buzzer. You can like close your eyes, and the, surrounds down, the surround sound of the headphones when you close your eyes it feels real you can like tell where the buzzer is on your head it's it's hard to de to describe but um if you get the chance go look it up there's lots of videos on youtube uh, and experience it for yourself but i figured that could be a really cool idea for a game um especially with kind of the way vr is going with haptics um those are like controllers uh that kind of go on your body or things you can hold in your hand, stuff like that. But what if you had like a game where you were almost like a daredevil character, daredevil from the Marvel universe, who, if you don't know, is a blind crime fighter, but you could have your character, uh, this would be like a VR game. You could have the player have to maybe dodge, um, gunshots and, you know, dodge objects thrown at them based on sound cues uh, that are spatially located and maybe even allow them to use the uh, hand controllers to, you know, fight back, like throw punches. Even though you can't see, you still throw punches based on sound cues. And I thought this was a cool idea because this might be a game that blind people actually excel at better than your average person. Because if you think about it, they say that, you know, when you lose a sense, your other senses kind of get better to make up for it and although I don't know what it's like to be blind I'm sure that their spatial uh I'm not sure audio spatial maybe yeah audio spatial skills are probably a lot better than the average person so in this case this is a game where a blind person might actually excel compared to the average player so anyways yeah that was my uh idea for the game submission idea from last week um this next one is going to kind of go with the theme of this episode. Um, for the next Idea Jam, 
design an RPG class that hasn't been done before. And yeah, I think this idea is going to go along with our episode uh, theme today. Remember, you can send me your idea jam submissions for this idea jam or any previous ones, or if you just want to talk, uh, DM me at zfleming31. That's zfleming with one M, 31. Or you can send me an email at cottagestreetinteractive at gmail.com. So with that, let's get into the body of the episode. So the first question we got to ask is, what exactly is a class? When I say a, an RPG class, um, what does that entail? And a class in a lot of video games has uh, many different definitions, and the definition itself actually kind of depends on the video game it's coming from. But in general, to me, a, a class is a set of ideas or rules often represented as a skill set that the players can choose to define their characters. And classes help your game offer variety, and it gives the player a way to customize uh, their play experience in a way that suits them or that they like, either thematically or from a gameplay um, perspective. The classic RPG um, example of classes is usually referred to as the Holy Trinity. This might be something you've heard of if you've played uh, like World of Warcraft, for instance. But usually you have um, three roles, a tank, a DPS, and a healer. The tank is the person who kind of takes all the damage and, um, you know, is kind of like a big bulky person in armor. The DPS stands for damage per second. That's your main damage dealer. And uh, then you have to have someone to kind of keep the party alive, and that's usually filled by the healer role. In the classic examples, this is usually a warrior, a mage, and a priest, where the warrior is your tank, the mage is doing the damage, and the priest is healing the party. But classes can also come in lots of different forms across video games. For instance, in Call of Duty, um, the loadouts that you design, I would describe those as classes. And I think even in the older Call of Duties, it wasn't called a loadout, it was called a class. Or maybe that's the difference between Battlefield and Call of Duty. Either way, that's an example of uh, classes kind of in a different game, but they they fill a similar purpose in that they're just another way to allow your player to kind of customize their play experience. Another example of classes is uh, in Mario Kart. You have like a heavy, a medium, and a light, and... The light characters accelerate faster, but don't have as high of a top speed, where the heavy characters have a higher top speed, but don't accelerate as fast. And this serves a purpose of allowing for player customization, but also allowing for thematic um, play styles to represent the characters better. So if you think about someone like Bowser, Bowser is a, a big person, so that makes sense for him to be a heavy class. And the heavy class kind of adds to the feeling of his character. And this is a good way to have the gameplay actually reflect your character design. But for the purpose of this episode, we're just going to discuss, or at least focus, on RPG classes. So just in case you don't know, RPG role-playing games, um, these are things like uh, Skyrim, um, Final Fantasy, um, Diablo and WoW falls into this, uh, Fire Emblem, games like that. And for this episode, we're not going to talk about games like Skyrim because they have kind of an open-ended class system where you kind of start in the middle and you can go in any direction you want to go to. Um, and you can be any combination of 
any of those classes with the way their skill tree system works. So for this episode, we're going to focus on well-defined classes, like something you would find in World of Warcraft, Diablo, or in um, tactics games like Final Fantasy Tactics or Fire Emblem. And that's really the first thing you should consider when you're um, making your game or designing your game is, does your system work more like a Diablo or WoW where you're controlling a single character? Or is it more like a tactics-based game where you're controlling multiple character classes like Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem? And the overall design principles are going to be the same for both of these. But there are a couple uh, different things you want to consider that differ between whether or not you'll be controlling a single character class or you'll be controlling multiple character classes. But first, let's go back to that idea of the Holy Trinity. So if you remember, I said the Holy Trinity consists of three roles, the tank, the DPS or damage per second, and the healer. And these roles are important because they help the players experience the game in a way that they can um, play to their strengths. Or it can also make them um, you know, feel like it's more in tune with their character design. For instance, if you want to feel like a big, strong character, then you probably want to play a tank. And the tank role is going to be perfect for that because usually the tank is the big, strong guy that takes all the hits. And as we talk about on these episodes in this series... Um, the feeling of your player is very important and you want to design your classes or design your gameplay so that they can have these feelings that are ultimately the compelling reason to why they play the game. So you really want to capture those feelings and roles help players uh, kind of find those feelings. For instance, if you're a supportive person in real life, you'll probably like playing the healer class because that's someone that everyone depends on and you get to support your entire team. But on the same token, if you're more of a person who likes to kind of do their own thing, then the DPS class is good for you because the DPS person kind of just focuses on their one task, which is doing as much damage as possible. So when you're designing these classes, you want to think about the feeling that you're trying to convey while playing them. And from a game design standpoint, the Holy Trinity works because the roles kind of cover each other's weaknesses. That's part of why the Holy Trinity, um, I think it was invented like a in the late 90s with like the old CRPG games like Baldur's Gate, Dungeons and Dragons, stuff like that. But it's been around for so long because of two things, really. It, Like I said, it, co- it helps players cover each other's weaknesses. Um, but also like mechanically and thematically, it works for any theme you could ever think of. You could have a Holy Trinity that works in a sci-fi theme. You could have a Holy Trinity that works in a pirate theme. It's just a good framework to start with. The problem, though, with the Holy Trinity idea is it kind of has the trap of exclusivity. And by that, I mean you don't want certain um, gameplay elements locked off to just one person. For instance, at first, you might think, well, the healer should be the only one with healing spells, right? Because that's what they do. That's their main thing. Um, And to offset and balance that, maybe they won't do any damage. But if a large part of your game is fighting and the healer is not doing damage, um, after they heal everyone, 
unless they're constantly healing, they're going to have parts of the game where they're just kind of sitting and doing nothing. And that can make them feel like they're kind of left out, and it can be, uh, it can contribute to making your game feel kind of boring. And so you kind of want your players to at least be able to play all parts of the game. So healers should maybe, yeah, be the best at healing, but they shouldn't be the only people who can heal. And also, they shouldn't be locked off to not doing damage. They should be able to do a little bit of damage. That way, they can experience all parts of the game. And maybe you have a group of people who don't even have a healer. You know, no one in their group of friends or their people they play with have that game feeling like they want to be supportive so at that point then you got to have someone who can heal unless you can design your game to accommodate play styles that don't work with a healer but then it just gets really complicated because you have to consider every combination of of player classes that want to play your game and this goes back to kind of a reoccurring idea that usually comes up um, on many game design episodes but it's the idea is that you want multiple ways to solve a problem in the game. For instance, if you have a, a boss fight, you don't want it to be where the only way you're going to beat this boss is if everyone is DPS. Everyone plays a DPS class. Because that can just make your healers and tanks feel like they're totally useless and then they have to rebuild their entire character just to do this one boss. So you want to design your game to be flexible, to be accommodating lots of different class combinations but at the same time um, you want the classes to feel unique and we'll get into that later kind of how to avoid the well if everyone's flexible then what's the difference between any of the classes and so a, a good idea to make sure that your characters are capable of getting all the way through the game no matter how many healers or tanks or DPS they have in their class, in their party, is the idea of having uh, general utility versus specific utility. And this idea I actually learned from Josh Beiser uh, over at GameWisdom.com. You should also check out his YouTube channel. Uh, it's also called Game Wisdom. But yeah, he brought up this really good idea um, in a video on his YouTube channel titled A Critical Thought on RPG Class Design. And he brought up this idea of general utility versus specific utility. And so I'm going to sum this uh, video up, but if you want to deep dive and you really want to go understand the kind of core of this idea, I suggest you go watch the video. But, But basically, you won't run into exclusion problems if all the classes have general utility. So this is your basic stuff like movement skills, uh, healing skills, damage skills, just general broad things that everyone should be able to do to beat the game and if you think about it this is a good idea because no matter the combination of classes that your players choose or if you're working with a party system where you're controlling more than one class no matter the combination that you have you'll always have a chance at beating the game there won't be any section of the game where oh well you didn't choose the right class so you just lose you just automatically lose that can be really frustrating for players um, because it feels like they don't have a choice. But on the same side of that coin, if everybody can do everything, then what's the point of even having classes? And this is where the specialized utility comes in. And the specialized utility is my favorite part of designing classes because this is where you can really get creative and make your classes feel unique. So an example of this uniqueness might be your mage or dps class 
um, has like a laser beam skill. This is an extremely high damage single target skill um, that you can do from range. And this would be an example of something that a healer or tank class, they're just not going to have that because it, it doesn't really fit into their role. Now that's not to say that the healer and tank class can't do single target damage, but this is how you balance the flexibility and the uniqueness and say, well, in this case, the mage class is the best at doing this. And this helps your people who play the DPS class to feel a little bit more um, unique. And it's it's a good feeling to have like the one shining moment where, you know, your party is counting on you and you shoot a giant laser beam. That's just a, a cool moment. And if you listen, you know that that feeling, that cool moment, either being the one doing it or seeing your friends do it, is like the core feeling of making a fun video game. And that's the feeling that I always try and capture in my games. And so try to design your classes so that their specific utility gives them the chance to have kind of the one shining moment. Like the first thing that comes to my head with the healer class is things are looking doom and gloom. Everybody is maybe in a dead or it's just down to the healer class. And maybe he has a full team resurrect. He can bring everybody back. And this would be a good example of something, a specific utility that's unique to the healer class. Other classes might be able to resurrect in a pinch or heal in a pinch, but nobody else can have the one shining moment where the rest of the team's counting on you and you can bring everybody back. For a tank, you could see how that could also be cool. Maybe the tank has a ability where he can taunt an enemy to only attack him and he's uh, invincible for a short amount of time. So you can imagine you walk up on this epic boss and the tank goes up toe-to-toe -to -toe with him, and he's just eating the damage, eating the punches, while everybody else is going in on the boss. And everybody gets that cool image of the tank toe-to-toe -to -toe with a boss that's 20 feet higher than him. It's just a cool moment, and those kind of memorable, memorable moments are what makes uh, games where you have to work together with different classes and different roles fun. I think you're always going to be balancing um, the kind of idea of having flexible classes and having a specific utility. And the balance is going to be different for just kind of depending on the game designer. Some people are going to want extremely flexible classes, even if they end up feeling a little bit the same, because maybe your game is a little more beginner-friendly, where other games are going to be real hardcore. And although they'll have a little bit of flexibility, um, they're really going to depend on the specific utility. And I think for most people, you're going to want to find your game somewhere on that spectrum, but never crossing the line of making a task exclusive to one character, and on the opposite side, never crossing the line where all your classes can do everything and there's no uniqueness between them. And where you find yourself on the spectrum, I think should depend on how many classes the player is controlling or how many class how much the classes interact interact with each other really if you think about a single player game where you only control one class you're probably going to want to err on the side of flexibility rather than specialization but for multiplayer games or games where you control more than one class you can kind of uh, slide on over to the specialization side of things because you know the classes are going to be interacting with each other and kind of covering each other's weaknesses. And so the next thing I want to talk about is customization within the classes. 
Um, usually this manifests itself in a form of skill trees. So maybe you have um, three skill trees for the mage class, for instance. Uh, ice, fire, and nature magic. Um, and this helps so that if three mages were to play together or when you're playing with other mages, if everyone is just has fire magic, then it doesn't really feel any different. And it, it's just another way to make the game kind of go towards your own play style and make you feel a little bit different. I think a, a big thing with these games, especially MMORPGs, is making your character feel like your own and unique um, when compared to other characters. And the classes themselves already do that, but even within the class, you know, you don't want every mage to feel like they're the same thing. And skill trees often allow for specialization within those classes, and it allows them to express their unique playstyle. But like with all things with game design, this might also lock them into their choices, and it might make specific content hard for them. For instance, if there's a dungeon with a ice boss um, and you didn't pick fire mage and nobody in your friend group or the people you play with are fire mages, it might be hard to find someone that is really going to help you excel uh, when fighting the specific boss. And it's not that you couldn't beat the boss with other kinds of magic. It's just if you really wanted the optimal way to do it and you didn't pick fire mage, then, you know, you might miss out on that opportunity. And this is where the idea of skill tree resets come in. Overall, I think skill tree resets are a good thing, so long as they have some kind of consequence. So when I talk about a skill tree reset, I mean, let's say you picked mage and you went down the ice magic tree and you get to a boss where fire magic is more useful. Or maybe you just get tired of playing the ice magic mage and you don't want to start a new character and grind it all the way back, um, you could reset your skill tree and then maybe spec into fire magic, for instance. The problem with this is that if you can do it infinitely, then do your choices really even matter? Because you're just going to change your skill tree for every encounter. And some systems, uh, the Diablo 3 rune system kind of comes to mind with this, allow you to have this flexibility of change, but... For those who don't know, I, I was a huge Diablo 2 fan. It was one of the first games I ever played, and yeah, it just blew my mind when I was a young kid. And so I was super pumped for Diablo 3, but by the time I got through Diablo 3, I kind of felt like the uniqueness between the classes, like it was in Diablo 2, wasn't really there, specifically because of the rune system and it's been a long time since I played Diablo 3 and I know it's had some huge changes since launch but back when I played um, you could pretty much change your skill tree so that all barbarians could go in all different directions and what soon happened was people just figured out the optimal builds and so for the first act you would do this optimization and the second act, you change all your runes and change your skill tree and do these skills. And what ended up happening was all the barbarians basically felt the same. And I didn't feel like there was a uniqueness between my barbarian and someone else's. Whereas in the old Diablo, um, you did have skill tree resets, but I can't remember. It, it definitely had a cost. I just can't remember what it was. 
But once you went down your specific way of the skill tree, that was your character, and that made your build feel unique, and that made it so that when you were playing with another barbarian, maybe that barbarian was focused on two-handed weapons, and you were more of like a sword and shield kind of guy. And even though we were the same class, I knew that he was going for like a high damage two-handed weapon, and I was going for kind of a more well-balanced defense and offense kind of build, and it just made my decisions feel unique to me. What I didn't like about Diablo 3 was that if there was a situation where I needed to be super high on offense and I wanted that high damage two-hand style barbarian, I could just change my whole character, change my whole build just for that, and then for the next one I could change the next one, and then you get it, and so on and so forth. And like all things, this is kind of subjective to the game designer. Some people like this kind of flexibility because it doesn't lock them into the decisions. For instance, if they pick a skill tree that they find out they maybe don't like, um, they should be able to change it, right? You don't want to be locked into a character that you don't like. But at the same time, there's got to be a consequence to changing your skill tree, either a cost or maybe a limited amount of skill tree changes. Because if you don't, then you kind of remove the uniqueness within the class. And this gets back to that overall idea of capturing the feeling uh, within your game and how your game is going to land somewhere on the spectrum. you got to ask yourself, do you want your classes to feel unique and different, even if that means you might make some content harder, depending on the combination of classes the player chose? Or do you want your classes to be all pretty adaptable, uh, but in the end they kind of feel sort of similar and less unique? And remember, you don't want to cross that line. Wherever you choose, you don't want to cross that line where your classes are so unique that general utility is blocked off from some of them, but you also want to have enough specific utility so that all of your classes feel unique and it doesn't feel like any class could do anything. So this whole time we've been talking about classes in the framework of the Holy Trinity, the tank, DPS, and healer. But if you've played any modern RPG, you'll know that there's usually way more than three classes. There's way more than just the generic warrior mage priest. And this is kind of an example of how the game design has evolved over time in that most classes are a mixture of um, one or two of these roles. And then maybe you also have, you know, classes that fill more traditional roles. But you want to add variety to your game because it helps with both the problems in uniqueness and flexibility. It might be, it would feel unique, for instance, to have a character that can both heal and tank. And this also solves the problem where you might have content that depends on the party having a healer. Well, now if you have a class that can heal and tank in addition to the mainline healer, then that kind of solves the problem of giving your player more options to get through the content. And this is where you have to be really smart with your specific utility so that your mainline healer feels unique compared to the class that can tank and heal. And so you have to think about ways where the mechanics work differently from your mainline healer and your tank healing class. So the last point I want to make is that you want to make sure that your character design matches the feel 
and role that the player fills. I talked about this earlier with, um, you know, people who like to play support classes, you know, they like to play healer classes, right? Because that's one of the biggest forms of support. Well, you want to make sure that that's also visually reflected on the screen. A good example of this is a tank class. You probably want your tank, uh, when you're doing character design, to be like, you know, a big bulky armored person. This just kind of aids in the feel of, okay, this character can take a ton of damage. Like, look at how strong and armored they are. And like most of the tips I give you guys, remember that nothing is ever a hard rule. And sometimes the best way for inspiration and innovation is to break the so-called hard rules. So maybe you do, maybe it could be cool to have a kind of frail character be able to take a lot of damage. But you got to think of cool character designs and ways that can work because your players are kind of going to be kind of depending on visual cues if they see a big armored dude they're gonna think okay well that person can probably take a lot of damage and if for instance they see a, a frail enemy they're gonna assume that's gonna be easy to knock them out and if you have those things kind of flip-flopped or mixed and you don't explain it very well your player's gonna feel frustrated because it just doesn't mix it just doesn't compute it doesn't make sense to have a frail character that is stronger than an armored character and that's just from a common sense standpoint now if someone's really familiar with how the game works you know they might know oh well the frail character is actually extremely powerful with magic and that's why they can take a lot of damage but for your first time people you know you just got to have stuff that takes into account common sense and if it doesn't make sure you're explaining that to your characters to your players rather remember the most important part of this and I think probably of all game design is that you're trying to capture the feelings and harmonize with the feelings of your player so if you want your player to feel like a heroic big tank person that can take on the world make sure you visually reflect that so with that I think we're gonna um, conclude the episode uh, big thanks to Josh Bricer over at gamewisdom.com he's also got a YouTube channel called Game Wisdom. He's got a lot of good content. Go check him out. Also, um, Darren Jamison. He wrote an article that I'm going to put in the uh, show notes kind of about class design in games. And, uh, yeah, it's a good read. I think if you want to go on a little bit deeper dive, uh, watch the YouTube video I put in the show notes and go read this article by Darren Jamison. Remember, you can reach out to me at zfleming31 on Twitter. That's at zfleming31. Or send me an email at cottagestreetinteractive. Uh, send in your game idea submissions. Remember, we're going to design a RPG class that hasn't been done before. I'll read my favorites uh, on the next episode during the Idea Jam section. With that, I'm uh, going to sign off. Uh, I've been Zachavelli. Make your party all bards just to see what happens. And I'll see you next week. <laughs>